Today we're going to be talking about what it means to have a brand new mindset and how this new understanding brings forth a new life in you. Now the passage that we are going to read is from, um, I want to start off by just reading Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and I'm going to read from verse 1. We're going to look at the resurrected Jesus and what this resurrected Jesus is all about and how we are included in this finished work of Christ. And as we have this new mindset, we find that Christ brings forth a brand new life in us. <laughs> Glory to God. That is beautiful and wonderful. Right, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not the things of the earth. I read verse 2 again. It says, Set your affection on the things above and not the things of the earth. Now I want to go into that word affection because it's a powerful word. And as we see this word affection, it really um, brings forth a, a, a greater understanding on what the Apostle Paul meant and how the early church did things. It says here in Thai definition, it means to have understanding or to be wise or to feel or to think. So what he is saying here is set your understanding or your wisdom on the things that are above. Set your understanding or your wisdom on the things that is above. Now, the word understanding is a, a great word there. He's saying, set, let your understanding be in line with the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let your understanding be have everything to do, the way your logic, from where you reason, the way you think, let it be have everything to do with Christ and where he is today. Now our understanding many times is found in the circumstances of this world or our understanding is found in do's and don'ts or legalism and law or the old way of doing. It's, uh, you know, I was saying in the beginning of the year, as I say in every year, is that this year is not a special year. 2018 is not the year of new beginnings. I see that many people take the, the number 8 in 2018 and they say that the number 8 is, uh, you know, the Lord rested on the seventh day and the eighth day everybody walked in what was new, meaning that 2018 is the year of new beginnings and then 2017 because of the number 7 means completion. Then 2016 must have been the year of man. Uh, 2015, people will call the year of grace because five is the number for grace. Now, what will uh, 2010 be? The, the year of the Ten Commandments? What would it be then? Now, I want to tell you that God does not operate in the shallowness of years. God operates in His passion and in His love for people. And 2018 is not the year of new beginnings. If you want to call it a dispensation or something like that. Paul talks and he comes and talks about the dispensation or the revelation of the divine influence of God on humanity called grace. And if you want to talk about a new beginning, the year of the new beginning is when Christ was raised from the dead and he now is from his resurrection making everything new by him having dominion over sin and sickness and disease and death itself. So that we can say is the year of the new beginning. You might say, Bertie, why are you uh, <clears throat> saying this against that kind of a teaching? And this is simply why. Should 2018 have been the year of the new beginning, which would have been then like the day Christ was raised from the dead, it would be okay with me 
But the problem that we have in saying that 2017 is the year of completion, 2018 is the year of new beginnings, when we say that, we are actually believing and programming the subconscious mind that God in other years were keeping away what we are receiving now. Some people believe in 2018, this is the year where we're going to just have everything for free. That is a lie. Everything has been for free for thousands of years. God has made His resurrection power available. And the mindset from where many people think is the old Jewish mindset, the old legalism, feast-driven Jewish culture mindset, which Jesus clearly says we have been set free from. Now, getting back to the point in the scripture, it says, if you be risen with Christ, seek or have your desire or have your heart towards the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not the things of the earth. Set your understanding on what is above. We cannot set our understanding on what is not above, on the earthly things. Earthly things again, and some people might say, you know, Bertie, you are hammering this thing too hard. Well, well, I just feel this is what the Holy Spirit puts upon my heart. I feel this is the truth that the Apostle Paul was preaching here in Romans and in Galatians and in Colossians. And in Colossians he's coming and he's basically saying, you should not put your affection, you should not have a worldly understanding. And the Apostle Paul referred to a worldly understanding as an understanding that was based on the world of that time, which was the Jewish people believing they're going to get a Messiah that's now going to release them from the oppression of the Romans and that the Gentiles are outsiders, Jewish people are insiders. He says we should not have our understanding from that platform. Now, an understanding, the word understanding means the ability to put something together. Now, you can put it this way. If somebody has taken a car apart and just gives a very good mechanic that understands the functioning of an engine very well. He understands how the diesel injectors work. He understands the whole diesel pump system. He understands the four-stroke engine. He understands everything. If he understands it, if you just give him the spare parts, then he will be able to assemble that engine without ever seeing how it came apart. His understanding will enable him to put it together. Now here he's coming and he's saying, let your understanding, let the platform from where you put things together be Christ at the right hand of God. Now what does it mean when we say Christ at the right hand of God? It's very simple. Let our understanding, let our approach to this life, let our way of reasoning about our future, let our way of reasoning about our family life, our uh, relationship with our children, our businesses or our jobs, boss, whatever, let your understanding of how to be blessed, of, of how to conquer sin, of how God bless, be put together from the understanding that there is a man in the Godhead, there is a man in the Trinity, and he is the Christ. He is not just a man in the Godhead, he is more than a man in the Godhead. He is the Christ. Now, from the Jewish understanding, Christ meant the Messiah, or another way of saying it is he would be king. So when you want to understand how you will be blessed, let it be from the perspective that there is a man that is now the king or the ruler or the one that has dominion over sin and death and over my sin and my death and he rules over it since I am now willingly a subject of his kingdom. Meaning he will now exercise judgment and righteousness in every area of my life, setting me free from sin and death. 
That is what he's saying. Now, <clears throat> let me just take a sip of water here. When we, <clears throat> when we look at this, and we have that as our understanding, we cannot come with, with arguments that 2018 is the year of new beginnings or something like that. Because what would our logic be? Our logic would be Jewish numbers and feasts and all of those kind of things, which is not life-giving, church. The only thing that could ever bring forth fruit in my life, the only hope that I have to see a change in my life in the areas where I have not seen change, is the power of God. In our communion part um, that we have every Sunday, I, I just now said that in Romans 10, that the promise that God made, that he says that the, the children is not counted by ethnicity, but by promise. And then he goes on and he says here, and I want to just read that from Romans 9. Um, here he says, And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand and not of works, but of him that calls. So what he's saying here is that when Rebecca was, was <coughs> pregnant with twins, God said that the, young, that the elder shall serve the younger. And by that he was saying that it is the logic whereby I work is not a logic which was according to the customs and the rules of that world, according to the laws of that world, which says that the younger will serve the elder. But God says it's the other way around. To show to man that the way God works is not in accordance to man's systems or legalistic systems or the customs of that time, but according to God that chooses. And God has chosen that he will bring forth fruit in people by his doing. And that we see also in Romans 9 there. Um, it says, I know I'm repeating myself here, but let me just read this to you. It says, um, from verse 8, Romans 9 verse 8, that is, they which are children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. So what he is saying here is that he said to Abraham, he didn't say to Abraham, go and have a son. He said there will come a time when I, God Almighty, will make Sarah fruitful and then she will have a son. So God had to come into the into the scene. He, would, he had to come onto the, onto the scene and heal the womb of Sarah, make her young again. She was a woman of uh, about 1900 years old. Make her young again and then she could have a child. So Isaac was not born of the doing of Abraham, but he was born of the promise of God. And when God promised, it came forth so that we today can can have our logic changed, that we can have a new mindset. Our mindset is not the mindset of legalism and law, but our mindset is the mindset of Christ. Our understanding, the way we understand the future, the way we understand what God does for us, the way we understand how a new life comes forth, the way we understand how we will prosper in the future, the way we understand how our marriage will work out successfully and how we will conquer sin and death and how we will walk a righteous life is not from the perspective of the flesh or what the scripture says in Romans, him that wills or by the willpower of a man or by the law, but by the promise of God. God has promised us good works. You've heard me say this thousands of times. A good life is not what God commands or demands. It is what God has promised. And it is for the one who made the promise to bring forth the fulfillment of that promise. 
The Bible says the fruit of being in the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so forth. And that is the life that God has promised us. So the logic that we can have is that there is a man seated at the right hand of God who is called the Christ or the King, and he is now the ruler over sin and death. And since the day he went into heaven to be seated at the right hand of God, until now, it's just one year, one age, one dispensation, if you want to call it like that. And to this kingdom and this doing, there shall be no end. The advancement of this kingdom shall not end. I want to tell you, I said it this morning in our church service in, in Durbanville, and that is, I don't care what political party you vote for, but unless that party is finding its logic inside this gospel, and the, the logic and the flowing of that is the full doing of God based on the resurrection power of God, that party will end one day. In our case, I can look at all of our political parties. Now I want to say there is not one of them that's got eternal life. And I've looked at the political parties in America. I've looked at the people in Germany, in, in uh, 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 Zambia, Zimbabwe, all those. There is no eternal life in any of those. They are all going to pass away because none of those parties possess the ability to save man from their sin, to save man from a desire for uh, alcohol abuse, to, to save a man from uh, missing out on eternal life. None of those parties can do that. They've got their uh, systems and their laws and their rules whereby they think that they can preserve the life of that nation. But I want to say to you that it might help a little bit, but it will be short-lived. We need to come to the understanding that the truth, the power, the eternal life is in Christ being the king. I want to tell you that the only king of this earth, I'm talking about a physical king of this earth, the true king, physical king of this earth is Jesus Christ. He is the king of this earth. And his way of ruling is not trying to get people to just follow his rules and commands. No, he is, uh, he dominates. And the way he dominates is he enters the hearts of those who believe upon him and dominates or you want to, the word dominate is also in the Greek there. But um, when you talk about him being the ruler or, or him being the Lord, he then rules over the sin and the lust and the desire in the heart of man and then brings forth a kind, meek, flooded with temperance, uh, a content human being in the earth. And that is how his kingdom advances in this earth. And that's how he brings forth a manifestation of the kingdom which he already got a hold of 2,000 years ago. Glory to God. Now, when the Bible says, and the message today is on uh, a, new, uh, a new understanding or a new mindset, the Bible says, let your mindset be, let your mindset be, Colossians 3 verse 1, if then you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your understanding or the wisdom by which you live, or when you want to make a wise decision, set it upon the Christ, in other words, the one that rules over sickness and disease, or the one, I don't want to say sickness, the one who rules over sin and death, the one that rules over death, let that be your wisdom. From there, it also says here, uh, uh, affection means to feel or to think. 2a means to have an opinion of oneself, to think of oneself, to the modest not let one's opinion, thought or just of himself exceed the bounds of modesty, to think or judge with one's, what one's opinion is. 
In other words, if you want to think or judge what your opinion is, let you think or judge or have your opinion about your life, about other people's lives, all be set inside the parameters of a human being seated at the right hand of God that has conquered death under whom's dominion I'm now, I am now, where it is not for me to drive out that which is evil in my heart, but where it's up to him. Amen. You know, if I am under the dominion of our uh, law system in South Africa, and I find that somebody comes and harasses me, or my children, or, or someone, it is not for me to get them off, out of my life. If somebody comes and threatens my wife or threatens my life, it is not for me to take law into my own hands and now <clears throat> I'm going to just threaten him back and have him murdered. Or it's not for me to take him and go and lock him up in my backyard to keep myself safe. No, we even in today's understanding, we, we know that we cannot do that. That the, even the laws of the country demands that it is for the one that you are under to make sure that you are safe. You must just inform them. So what I'll do if somebody comes and threatens my life or threatens the life or the safety of my children, what do you do? You call the police. And what does the police do? It is the police's job to see that that thing that threatens my life is removed from me. In the very same way it is with Christ. With Christ, it is for the ruler, which is Jesus. It is up to him to end sin in my life. You might say, Bertie, but that is not, how can, so you just want to say that I can just go and sin as much as what I like and it's for Christ to end the sin in my life and I can in the meantime do whatever I like. Now let me put it this way. As you have the logic of Colossians here where you set your affection or where you set your understanding, your wisdom or your opinion of yourself on the things that are above where Christ sits. What you are saying is, you are saying and you are acknowledging that I can never, by my own power, end these things that are bothering my life. I cannot, let's make this very practical, everyday life, you cannot stop by your own power lusting for more money. You cannot stop your fear. You cannot stop your anxiety. You cannot stop your lust for another man or another woman. You cannot stop your desire for uh, uh, to eat too much or to whatever it is. You are acknowledging that I cannot stop this. And the reason why you're acknowledging that is because you are knowing that you are not the Christ. You are not the ruler in your life, but that you and every part of you, even the sinful part, was put under the dominion of Christ and now he judges against that which wants to destroy you and by the power of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the willing person, he now recreates and brings forth a brand new man and so mortify the deeds of the flesh. Glory to God. The only way where we can have a holy life is when we look at Christ at the right hand of God and we are saying that we are under his rulership, where we are not taking matters into own hands. We see it so many times. You know, you cannot take matters in normal law even into your own hands. In the very same way with the kingdom of God, the way we are seeing the dominion and the rulership of Christ in our lives is when our logic is a logic that says, when our opinion of ourselves is an opinion which is all about a human in the Godhead, and this human is the Christ, and Christ means he rules over sin and death. That is it. You remember the passage where the apostle Paul came and he said, it is not I who live, 
but Christ that lives in me. This is what was taking place. Paul was living a good life. He was living a life wherein he was willing to die for other people, where he loves other people, where he cares, where he's generous, where he's not chasing after uh, uh, money, where he, where he loves people, where he's willing to be crucified, beheaded, die for the spreading of the gospel, where he was not self-centered, but other-centered and all of that. And then he says, the life I live is not I who live this life but it is the Christ. Now you need to understand that Jesus, <coughs> he was born, and then he lived a life that was when he was obedient. He died and he rose again, and then he went and sat at the right hand of the Father from where he rules. Rules over what? Rules and have dominion over that which he conquered. Which was what? which was the sin he became and the death he took upon him. So Christ rules and he has shown his power over sin and death and he has shown his power over the powers and principalities of this world, which in today's terms would just simply mean the kings and the governments of this world. Where he has shown that he's more powerful than governments because the Sanhedrin, as well as the Roman Empire, decided to kill Jesus, and then he said, well, kill me and see if you can keep me dead. Then they did everything that there was to do in the power of a human being to destroy a man, and then Jesus laughed at that, and he was raised from the dead, making a spectacle of powers and principalities, greater than any government, greater than any... Uh, 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 authority system of this earth. That means that what I am part of and what your children are part of as you believe this good news is greater than the educational system of this world. No school can ever teach your child and bring forth holiness in your life as what Christ can bring forth. All you need to do is believe this gospel, teach this gospel to your children, let them know this gospel, let their affection, let their logic, let their opinion of themselves, or let uh, 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 that which, by which they decide what to think of themselves be Christ at the right hand of God, wherein where, from where love and kindness and goodness is born. Let it be that. Let it not be something like, well, this year is the year of this blessing, that year is the year of that blessing. That is not, what does that have to do with Christ and Him crucified? And what does that have to do with a Christ seated at the right hand of God from where a brand new life flows? It's got nothing to do with that. It is simply human logic that has got no power unto a brand new life. God has come to give us a new life. God has come to rule and reign and have dominion over that which destroys our lives. That is why Paul says, it is not I who live, but it is the Messiah which has come to save his people from their sins that is actually showing his dominion and his power and what he's really unto in my life. And I want to say that from my heart, the good that you see in my life, it is not me following principles. It is me, I am living a life, and the, the life that I'm living is not I who live it. It is the dominion and the rulership of Christ bringing those things forth in my life. If I look at my kids, and I look at uh, uh, um, what is in their life, and the beauty that I see in their life, I can truly say, it is not me being a good dad. It is Christ Christ, 
that lives in me, that loves them, and it is Christ in them that is shaping their understanding, shaping their lives, and living in them. And when we see things in their lives or in our lives where we find that this, this is not right, it's still wrong, and so forth, I've got good news. The Bible says, of the increase of his government, there is no end. So it's not up to you to get yourself to be holy. It is up to him to manifest you as holy, righteous, and immortal. Glory to God. Now, Colossians says, and I read it again, I know I'm repeating myself many times, it says, have your understanding, let your basic logic, would be the word wise here or wisdom, let your basic logic, let what you feel or think, or let the opinion that you have of yourself be Christ at the right hand of God. What does that mean? The one who rules over sin and death in the equality of God, an eternal king, an eternal king. I want to ask you, where's the Roman Empire today? It's gone. It will never be again. The Illuminati, the, all these things, I want to tell you, it's going to pass away. It doesn't have eternal life. It is not eternal. It will be done away. For whatsoever is not under the dominion and the rulership of Christ shall die and perish. The systems of this world does not, how evil it might be, how powerful it might be, it does not have the ability to exist forever. But God in Christ has shown eternal life in the physical when the, Jesus was physically raised from the dead and now he is ruling in a, in, in a physical form. In a, in a new type of physicality. He's ruling in this earth and he is ruling over your hurt. He's ruling over your rejection. He's ruling over your weight problems. He's ruling over your low self-worth. He's ruling over when you look into a mirror that you hate what you see. He's ruling over that. All that you need to do is not take matters into own hands. But practically, for those men and women, when you look into a mirror, you don't even want to look at the video of yourself. You hate yourself. When you, when you look at that, just go and say, Christ, my mindset is not of this world. My mindset is not found in the Hollywood models and all of that rubbish. My, my mindset is found in Jesus being the Christ, being the ruler over this emotion and fear in my heart. The other day, I, a fear grabbed my heart. And I just, you know, the first thing that happens when fear grabs your heart is you think, uh, you start to make plans in your mind. The human ability quickly tries to kick in. Now I'll do this and I will do that. And, and you start to... And about 20 minutes in, I felt that this is not how I want to live the rest of my life. And I went outside and was on the driveway there outside, standing next to my car. And I said, God... I cannot live like this. You are the Christ. I cannot stop this, but you rule. And I see my mindset was in this passage. My logic, my understanding is Christ, the one that rules over this. And what, did, what happened? I won't tell you. In this case, it just happened immediately. I just felt how that fear rolled off me, supernaturally, by the power of God. I want to tell you, it's never going to return. <laughs> it's never going to return. For if Christ has set you free, if the one who rules and has dominion sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. You can do that with money. 
You can do that with a fear of your children's future and all that. You can do that with sickness and disease. You can do that with whatever there is. Let Christ be the Christ in your life by having this logic. It says here, um, the, the last point of the Greek definition here of uh, affection is to be of the same mind. In other words, to agree together, to cherish the same view or to harmonize. That's what he's saying. He's saying that let your mindset, let your view of yourself be the same mind as Christ. Now what we have done is, we've done it this way. Well, Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, therefore I take dominion and I rule over this. And I, you know what? It might, I don't know why it is, but it is a fading glory. I've seen that. I tell you, I have rebuked fear in my life many times. And I bind that fear, I rebuke that fear, I cast that fear out, I stand on the Word of God, meaning I close my Bible many times physically standing on the Bible. I've done that. I've stood on the Word of God in the sense of I quote a scripture. That's not standing on the Word of God. Standing on the Word of God is to believe that Jesus is the Christ and He rules and dominates that area of your life and he brings forth the manifestation of his kingdom in that area of life. How? As we acknowledge this truth. Through the acknowledgement. Acknowledge means to acknowledge as true. In other words, uh, it means to have an affection or what it says here, to be of the same mind, to agree together, to cherish as the same view, um, to be harmonious. That is what he is saying. So when we come and we acknowledge, we are actually having the same view as Christ has. And as we have the same view as what Christ has, we find that Christ manifests His dominion in us. <laughs> Glory. And He rules in our lives. Glory to God. I want to tell you, that is a much, much more powerful way of living than trying to quote scripture every day. What about those that don't have Bibles? What about those that believe that Jesus just died for them, he rose again, conquered their sin and death, and now they are awaiting him as the king to rule in the earth? Do you know, I mean, what about those? They don't have all the principles, they don't have our logic that we had traditionally in the church. They don't have that. Don't they have a future? Yes, they do. Now, I'm not saying it is wrong to read your Bible. I'm not saying it is wrong to quote a scripture. Jesus quoted Psalm 22 when he was upon the cross. Glory to God. And as he was quoting that, what he was actually doing, he was yielding to the rulership of the Father who has power over death to raise him from the dead. He was not trying to save himself from death. He was resting in the Father who could save him from death. And that is the thing that we need to do. But we, as what we, as what we normally do in normal, uh, normal things, we take matter into own hands. Now, I want to say this. If somebody comes to my house and he wants to harm me, I don't say I can't defend myself. I'm not trying to speak politics here. I'm just using it as an example to explain something much greater. Let us not take matters into our own hands as pertaining to a brand new life and what God will do in the earth. The grace message cannot be harnessed by a network or a system. You can start grace networks, you can start all those kind of things trying to harness it. It is greater than man's ability to harness it. It is the work of God in the earth that shall never be harnessed by a man, wherein no man will have dominion over it, where no man can stop it. Look at the, the, the church, the early church. When they were persecuted, nobody could stop it. It was a small thing. A man was raised from the dead, they could just say it's a lie, which they did, and then kill all those who said it. But you know what? They couldn't stop it. 
Because the kingdom of God is as a seed that is sown, as a mustard seed. It's the smallest of all, but it will become the biggest of all. And every, all the birds of the air will find their rest there. So I want to say to you, you're part of a kingdom where Jesus is king, where he is Lord, where he lords it over your shortcomings. Amen. Let us go on, and I want to read Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3 here. And this is, see the logic that Paul has now. See the new mindset that he has. He says, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Can you see here, when Christ, who is our life, appears. Now, the way I understand this passage, this talks about the return of Jesus Christ. What shall happen? We shall appear with him in the very same glory as what he has, meaning being equal with God, meaning being immortal. So when Christ appears, we will be glorified into this glorification. He will rule over our physical death and we will be immortal. That is what Paul says. Yet, as we now, before that day, believe in Jesus, we do find that Christ's rulership and His dominion does appear in our lives and we find peace and joy and love and kindness, and all those kind of things, and what we would call the first fruit of this rulership manifest in our lives. Now he goes on and he says, Mortify or see as dead, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He's not saying to them, stop to fornicate. He's saying to them, you are dead, and when Christ appears, you will appear with him in glory, and since you have already died with him, you can now mortify or see as dead, not just you that died, but since, the, since, the, since your flesh with its evil desires died with Christ, we can now also come to the conclusion and say, fornication is dead. Uncleanness, inordinate affection is dead. If you've got an affection that is inordinate, it's not in order with nature, you know, you can see that as dead in Christ. Glory to God. You can be set free. People can be upset with me as much as what they can like. You can be set free from transgender problems. You can be set free from homosexuality, for it has died in Christ. Just come and say to the Lord, Lord, I experience feelings of homosexuality. I love the same sex. It is inside me. It is as part of me as what, as what a person that is straight. That's how much it's part of me. It is greater than what I could ever resist. I've tried it. It doesn't work. But if you can come and say, but Christ, this inordinate affection has died. And my logic is not, well, I've been born with this. Well, you know, you don't find your logic in Hollywood. You don't find your logic in Hollywood. You don't find your logic in political correctness or in Oprah. But you find your logic in Christ, seated at the right hand of God. As you find that logic and you say, Lord, I see how you've ruled over this and your kingdom is an ever advancing kingdom and you've already worked in my heart to feel loved by you, but this area of my life, I know and declare that it has died and it's under your rulership. You know what you then do? Then you leave it there and continue to see it like that and Christ... Not you trying to quote the scripture, you in the name of Jesus trying to get rid of homosexuality. You, uh, let me put this, Christ and only Christ will manifest his appearing in that area of your life and set you free. I will not be told that God cannot set a homosexual free. Sorry, I will not 
I will not be told that God doesn't love homosexuals, but I will also not be told that he cannot be set free. Here it is. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, evil sexual desire. That's what it says there. And covetousness, a love for stuff, a love for money. Where you've got such a love for stuff that it dominates your thoughts. You cannot stop to think about that new boat. You cannot stop to think about this. You cannot stop. You know what? You are not bad if you think those things. Those things are trying to destroy a very good person. And God has come and said that things like covetousness, concupiscence, in, um, inordinate affection, uncleanness, idolatry, fornication, those things are stronger than you. It bullies you. You cannot get rid of it. Therefore, he came, be, took that on him, took the full consequences of that, which is death, and conquered it. And now he as a human is the Christ and he has shown it to all of us. He's conquered all of our sin and death. And as we now see our inclusion in this resurrected Christ, what do we do? We are saying glory to God. That truth is the truth about my life. And it's up to him to manifest that fullness in my life. Paul comes and says, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. So he says the appearing or the manifestation of Christ is to manifest who he is in you. He doesn't say, since you're a Christian, start to live holy. No. He is saying, Christ brings this forth. And the thing is, as Christians, we need to get that logic, that understanding, that new mindset into our hearts. It says, mortify therefore the members which are upon the earth. Fornication, mortify, see as dead. Why? For you have also died with Christ. And goes on. It says, lie not one to another, seeing that you've put off the old man with his deeds. So what is he saying here? He says, the old man with his deeds was conquered by Jesus as the Christ. And wheresoever Christ appears, we appear with him in glory. And even unto the final appearing, which will be our immortality manifesting in our bodies, where the graves will be opened, the dead will be raised. Even now, we can actually become free from, from the fruit of the flesh and live in the fruit of the Spirit. How? By the Spirit bearing fruit in us. How? As our affection, our mindset is put on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let me end off with, um, with just reading. I'm going to read John here. Very well-known passage. John chapter 3. This is going to bless you. Well-known passage. It says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, this is verse 14, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Those who trust him, he will give them life. That's what it is. We've made salvation to be saved from hell instead of being saved from sin and death. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. He says those who believe that God will save them through Christ, they will have life. But those who believe that, well, Jesus died, was raised from the grave but I must save myself from sin so that the Father will not be angry with me to send me to hell, you will be lost in your works. Amen. Well, I still got another hour to preach, but we've, we're running out of time. And I want to say to you that God loves you. God cares for you. His embrace towards you is an eternal embrace. He has taken matters into His hands. He's taken the matter of your holiness and ending sin in your life into His hands. 
and let us see it for what it is and have the new mindset, which is Jesus as the Christ. We've been robbed in thinking. That it's another thing that, that goes around, you know, where we think that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, the Messiah of the Jews, thinking that, you know, that, that, that he is just for these Jewish people, their Messiah, and kind of we like tapped into this somehow. That's all shadow language. It is not the truth. It's not the substance. The true substance is that Jesus is the Messiah of humanity. And he doesn't rule. He's not come to save people from, we want the Messiah to save the Jews from the oppression of other nations instead of the Messiah saving mankind from the oppression of sin and death, granting them immortality and eternal life. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King, and His kingdom is forever. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank You for Your love and Your grace. I want to thank You for Your warm embrace. I thank You that You love us, that You care for us, and that Your power is extended towards people. If you're watching this right now, I want you just to, if you've got sickness in your body, if you've got problem with sin and uh, sexual inordinance or any of those desires, covetousness, all those kind of things, I would like to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that I can declare Jesus is Lord over the sins in people's lives. Jesus is Lord over evil concupiscence. Jesus is Lord over sexual immorality. Jesus is Lord over um, homosexuality, drug abuse and everything. And Father, I want to come in the name of Jesus and declare to these people that freedom is yours in Jesus' mighty name. I also pray, Father, that everyone that is watching this right now, that is struggling with these things, that they open their hearts wide, that they see themselves perfected in Christ, that they see how accepted they are, how loved they are, how new they are in your finished work, and that you come right now as you rule, as, they, as that truth enters their heart, your dominion floods their hearts, and you rule over those affections, and hurts and pains, even physical sickness and disease. In Jesus' mighty name, I declare you healed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. I want to thank you so much for watching. I want you to know that you are always loved by God. Amen.